Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Hello, Maximizers. This is Podcast 314. As we maximize your influence, your persuasion, negotiation, your self-persuasion, becoming more magnetic. Imagine if you had that aerosol can of persuasion. You can persuade on command. Get anyone to do anything you want at any time. Of course, in an ethical way. It's what we're going to learn about today. Welcome. Appreciate you being here today. Let's see. What have I been up to? I was in Atlanta Talking about retail influence, right? Retail stores, convenience stores. People don't realize those subconscious triggers can make you feel more comfortable or less comfortable, get you to shop more, shop less. I'm telling you, retail, convenience stores, even casinos know the more time you can spend inside those institutions or organizations or stores, whatever you want to call them, the more you're going to buy. It's just that simple. We know that you'll follow your driving patterns. If you're in the United States, you're going to go right when you go into a door. If you are in England, you're probably going to go left. We know that first couple of feet when you walk into a store and you're acclimating to the new light, the new atmosphere, you're not going to see much on each side of you. We know that ceiling heights matter. We know that colors on the display on the product matter. How easy it is to get the product? Is it too high? A lot of people won't buy it. And here's a strange one. Is it too organized? I found that sweaters were that were too organized. People didn't want to touch them. They didn't want to look at them because they were too organized. They looked too good. They didn't want to mess them up. So I'm telling you, these subconscious trigger, this emotional side of persuasion permeates everything we do from shopping online to shopping at the store to persuading and influencing, even to our self-persuasion. So let's jump into it. Let's hop right into our persuasion blunder of the week, Homer. So I've been on this health kick lately. You know, it happens every once in a while. Kind of low carb, low sugar type thing. It's actually done pretty well. Dropping the pounds, feeling pretty good. And that includes, of course, the low sugar, low carb thing, which means no chocolate, but I can do dark chocolate. And I love chocolate. I actually do like dark chocolate. And they have the 70%, the 80%, the 90%. And I figure around 80, 90% is kind of the sweet spot for me where it still tastes good. But then I Bought a bar of 100% cocoa, 100% dark chocolate, no sugar at all. And I'll just tell you right now, it's not very good. It's hard. I mean, 90% I can handle, 85, but this was uh, pretty much like sucking on dirt. I mean, that's what it was. And the reason I bring this up is the brand name of this chocolate was pretty much described it all was Montezuma. (laughs) If you know anything about Montezuma's Revenge... You know that's not a good name for a chocolate, not a good name for anything. If you don't know what that is, you can look it up. But it's when your food does not agree with you. It's one of those terms that's been thrown around, especially when you go to other countries and when you get Montezuma's Revenge. Yeah, there's a revenge factor there. So probably not a good name for a product. A lot of times we don't think about this sometimes. For example, the two moms that got together and created the other mother daycare You know, 10 points for creativity, but the subconscious trigger is not a good one because you don't want another mother with a cigarette company that creates a horoscope cigarettes. They're all excited about the horoscope's going to change every month until they realize one month was going to be a cancer. Probably not good. 
So I went online to check out other people that have made these mistakes, and it seems like most of them seem to be when you're translating into another language. So I went to teamjimmyjoe.com, and I'll post this link. Looking at some of the greatest blunders in product names, one was P-Cola, probably not good. That was in Ghana. Here is looks like a biscuit called Only Puke. Oh, can't mention that one. Uh, this one's called My Dad's Nuts, probably not good. Oh, here's a fun one in English, clay modeling with poo. This would be Pooh Bear, <laughs> probably not good. Even though poo's on the cover, you got to be careful with that one. I'm not sure what this one is. It's called Booty Goo. It's diaper ointment for kids. Uh, Heinz put out something called Sponge Pudding. Yeah, this one's because Senior in Sauce. I guess that would be the elderly. I can't mention that one. This one's called Pet Sweat. Looks like a drink. Probably not a good one. Oh, here's a fun one. Four pork faggots. I'm not sure what that means. It's Mr. Brains. So there's a couple problems with that. Have you ever eaten brain? That's not good. And of course, yeah, we're not even going there. Urinal hot drink. Mm, I don't know about that one. Bishop's finger. That looks like it's a beer. Crunchy nude ball. That looks like a chocolate. I guess that might help sales. In fact, I remember American Airlines. Uh, it was usually a translation thing. They were talking about flying in leather. They were trying to promote their first class. It was translated as fly naked, which I don't know if that helped or hurt sales. Oh, here's one, a firework called the Golden Shower. No, I'm not going to mention that one. Oh, here's one, burned meat flavored biscuits. Colon, that looks like some type of food product. Terror, name of a soda. I won't even tell you what the toilet paper is called. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I will put the link there if you want to take a look at those. But you got to be careful what you name your product. We've talked about that before. And it's usually a translation thing, but sometimes it's not. It's just something that you think is really great, and it's not. When Coors Beer did their Turn It Loose campaign and translate into Spanish, it was suffer from diarrhea. Probably not good. Jolly Green Giant, I think this was in Arabic, was translated as Intimidating Green Ogre. <laughs> okay. And of course, the most famous is Chevy Nova. They didn't even translate it. They just used the word Nova, which means Nova, which in Spanish means doesn't go, which is not a good name for a car. And here's an interesting one. This is just a picture. In Africa, a lot of people don't read. So whatever's on the label is what you're getting. And of course, Gerber's baby food with a baby on the label did not sell well. Or one of the fun ones when Electrolux, it's a Scandinavian vacuum machine. They just took their slogan they used over there and translated into English. And of course it was, nothing sucks like an Electrolux. So be aware of what you name things and the subconscious triggers because it could definitely hurt your ability to persuade and influence and make sales. Which brings us to the geeky scholarly article of the week. This comes from Eek Magazine, Wayne State University, and Iknitschke Universitat in Munich. I know I probably slaughtered that. I'm more of a Portuguese-Spanish guy, a little Arabic, but not German. And here's the title. It's going to be kind of our theme for today, is that neuroscience says doing this one thing makes you just as happy as eating 2,000 chocolate bars. You know, that's known as clickbait. That's known as the Zagarnik effect, where like the title is so intriguing, you want to know, what do you have to do? It doesn't tell you what it is in the title because they want you to read the article or click on the link. But this one thing makes you as happy as eating 2,000 chocolate bars. So, so we're talking about chocolate bars today. So they go on to say that you know there's been a lot of science lately on positive psychology and being happier and depression, anxiety. Now, this specific study took place in the United Kingdom 
where they used MRIs, brain scans, and heart rate monitors to generate they called mood-boosting values with different stimuli. In other words, they had participants do and look at or listen to different things and measured how happy it made them. And I'll put a link to this article at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. In fact, of course, the plug there, that is a place to get everything you need from the podcast archives to access to Influence University to take in your free Persuasion IQ test, see where you rank, and of course, get the new edition of Maximize Your Influence for free. Just pick up a little shipping and handling. And of course, you can contact me there or just email me at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. So as they were doing these things, these mood-boosting values, as they called them, they did a variety of different things. There's one thing that just destroyed everything else. That was equivalent level of brain stimulation to 2,000 chocolate bars. And it was just as stimulating as receiving $25,000. What was it? A smile. A simple smile. And they found that smiling, even if you're not feeling good in the moment, works. I mean, try it right now. Big smile. I don't care who's watching. Make a big smile. If you're driving the car, listen to the podcast, whatever you're doing, smile. Smile bigger. Come on, a little bigger. Big, bigger. Bigger, keep it going, keep it going. And you can feel just releasing chemicals in your body and it changes your demeanor and your mood. It's real, but most people just aren't doing it. So what they found out from this study and doing those MRIs that the brain's happiness is activated when you smile. And again, it doesn't matter what your current mood is. If you're down, depressed, smiling actually prompts your brain to produce feel-good hormones, which gives a little credence to the adage, fake it till you make it. In fact, another study, and this was the one done at Wayne University, found smiling also predicts how long you're going to live. In fact, this is fascinating. They looked at Major League Baseball cards all the way back to 1952. And they found that the span of the player's smile actually predicted his lifespan. Unsmiling players lived an average of 72 years on average, while the ones that were smiling the cards lived seven years longer. I'll just say, believe it or not, that's an interesting study. Now, UC Berkeley did a study that lasted 30 years. They looked at the smiles of students in an old yearbook, and they looked at the width of the smile. They found out the width of the smile was a predictor of their well-being and general happiness and how fulfilling their marriages would end up. And those are the biggest smiles. The biggest width came up on top of all the ranking. Wow. So we're living longer, better marriages. We're happier. And they also found we look better to others. We're better looking. We're perceived as more likable, more courteous. And another study, I've mentioned earlier on a podcast, that smiles increase sales in retail 20%. Smiles in customer service over the phone change the ratings over the phone on how they feel about the person. I'm just saying, you have one, use it. Not the creepy, weird, strange smile, but you have a smile. We just don't use it enough. A, for ourselves but be for other people. And the statistics aren't good. 14% of us smile fewer than five times a day. 30% of us smile over 20 times a day. And children smile as much as 400 times a day. Again, you have one, use it, practice, but then we've got to back up. I've talked about this before in previous podcasts is that I have, and maybe you have, RBF. About 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with RBF. And you can look it up. You can Google it. RBF. Just put RBF in Google or RBF face. What it stands for is, I'm not going to tell you what it stands for, but the B is kind of a bad word. We'll just say resting brat face, resting angry face to where 
When I'm neutral, I'm not doing anything, I'm emotionless, I'm sitting there, I look like I'm angry, I look like I'm upset. So you got to be careful when you're meeting someone for the first time or sitting out in the lobby or for me sitting up on a stage or getting ready for a seminar, I look angry, I don't look approachable. And people admit this. When I get into the seminar, I ask them, what did you think when you came in? And they think, uh-oh, we're in for it, what are we going to do? They're angry, it's not going to be any good because I'm not smiling because my neutral is an angry brat face. So you got to be careful. When you meet people face-to-face, you're just sitting there, they're meeting for the first time, you could be suffering from RBF. And you got to be careful of this too, especially I think the worst offender are real estate agents who put their pictures on a billboard or on a bus stop. I'm like, who chose these pictures? You don't look good. You don't look smart. You don't look mature enough. you got to be careful the pictures that you're putting online that people are seeing because they're going to judge you and judge you fast. And not just on the angry component, but on the trust component, the credibility component, the approachability component, you've got to test the pictures you're going to put online. In fact, a great website is called Photo Feeler, and I'll put this on the website too at Maximize Your Influence, where you could upload your picture and people will tell you, yeah, smart, weird, strange, dumb, <laughs> whatever it is, they'll tell you the truth. There are analytics that they use. Now, you'll have to judge other people's pictures. You have to give and take on that one. But you'll know what people think about your picture because you're too close to it. You just don't know. What are people thinking when they see your picture for the first time? That's photofeeler.com. Do you suffer from that RBF? Well, maybe you're in denial, but let me just say, if you ever hear, or you hear this multiple times throughout the week, are you okay? Are you doing all right? You're like, yeah, I'm fine. Could be RBF. Are you having a good day? Is something wrong? Are you mad at me? Did I offend you? You're like, no, you're fine. What are you talking about? Probably RBF. You probably need to work on it. So let's talk about that. How do you work on that? What's really happening here? In fact, CNN.com did an article saying that scientists say that RBF is real. Of course, we know it's real. I've got it. You probably have it too. You know people that have it. A lot of the movie stars have it. In fact, when you Google RBF, you see a lot of movie stars and the RBF websites that they have angry faces. They're nice people. They say, really, I'm a happy, nice person, but their face doesn't show it. In fact, an interesting study done by Abe Macbeth and Jason Rogers, they're with a company called Noldus Information Technology. And so what they do is develop software for observational behavioral research. And this software is known as a face reader, and it can read your face, your emotion. In fact, they put in celebrities like Kane West, Kristen Stewart, Queen Elizabeth, different public figures who've been known to have a little RBF or not a happy face. So what they discovered was that celebrities who had bored or annoyed looks were showing underlying levels of emotion that are not seen in people who do not have RBF, meaning those afflicted or have RBF, that RBF enhances those negative emotions, meaning you look more angry than you actually are, or that you have contempt even if you don't. Or you look like you're feeling that scorn, but you're not. It just enhances just the way you look because of your facial expressions. Now, some say the biggest indicator of RBF is going to be your parents. My poor children, some do suffer from RBF. A lot of us have inherited features that are naturally angled down. Their eyes are a little more angled down. That makes them look a little more tired, a little more depressed. They have mouths that are angled down that makes them look like they're always upset, like they're always frowning, that is RBF. 
So this term, RBF, was coined in 2013. And people are making fun of it, but it's a real thing. In fact, David Givens, he's the director of the Center for Nonverbal Studies. When people are shown pictures of people with that neutral face, that RBF, they judge those people to be unfriendly. So think about it. If you have this RBF, if you're emotionless, you have that natural frown, that's why people aren't talking to you. They think you're unfriendly. You're not going to be as persuasive. You're not going to be as likable. Again, the culprits, according to a plastic surgery, is going to be gravity, I guess, as we get older, genetics, and our skin getting looser, which gives us that permanent frown. So do you want to know? You can ask your family and friends. You can take a picture of yourself. But I think deep down, you probably already know. Or let me just give you a website. Now, of course, I'll link this one also at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. It's TestRBF.com. <laughs> Upload your photo and see if you have it and see how we can fix this. So how can you fix this? Well, number one rule I just mentioned is be aware. Know that you have it. So I know when I'm sitting on the stand or I'm in a seminar and prepare, I'm getting things ready, that i got to practice having a smile. I've got to put a little more animation in my face. Otherwise, people are going to think I'm unfriendly. And that's the first impression. I don't want to start with a bad first impression. Or as my wife does, kind of motions to me to smile when I'm sitting on a stand or a stage. Maybe have some of the audience to say, all right, put a little smile on, do something. Could be helpful. And practice in non-stressful situations when you don't need it, a little smile, try to put a little more animation in your face. Maybe when you look at the person, try to look up at the person or at least level with the person. When you look down at the person, it enhances your RBF. Or maybe you just need a joke about it and let people know, hey, I'm sorry, I have RBF. And I've done that before in seminars. Like, yeah, I've got it. I've got it bad. I'm happy to be here. I'm glad to see you. Don't let the RBF throw you off and just joke about it. Those are some things you can do. But the biggest one is being aware that you have it. And the reason this is so important is it affects mood. Mood matters. We've talked about this before. Your mood and their mood. So if you can just go into a room and smile and smile big like we did earlier, it puts you in a better mood. When you're in a better mood, you're more influential. And it's easier to persuade other people. It's easier to persuade yourself. And putting them into a better mood. Getting them to smile, getting them to laugh, using a little sense of humor makes a big difference. Because when people are in a negative mood, they recall negative things. Why they don't like you, why it's not going to work out. It's very difficult to persuade in that situation. Now, on the flip side, when people are in a good mood, they recall good things. Why things are going to work out, why they like you, the good in your past history. So don't try to persuade someone in a negative mood. Get them in a better mood. Or reschedule for another time. And the same is true for you. You've got to get yourself in the right state to be able to persuade. Reschedule, change your mood, change their mood, use a little humor, get something to eat, go walk out in the sunshine, whatever you need to do. But mood matters. And a big part of that is a big smile. And smiles are contagious. They're usually reciprocated by the other person. If they're not, you need to back up before you start to persuade. Other things they found that work? A snack music, sunshine, and I'm going to say it, chocolate like we've been talking about on the podcast, or any nice sugary sweet. Could put people in the right mood. Maybe even a little caffeine can do it too. Message being smile. It'll change your demeanor and change theirs. Get yourself in a better state and a better mood. Get them in a better mood, and they're much easier to persuade and influence. In fact, there's a study done with participants that saw one of two television programs. One program was upbeat and happy, and the other program was depressing and sad. 
The participants were then asked to list their thoughts about the commercials they experienced during the program. And you already know what I'm going to say. Those that saw the happy program had more positive thoughts about the commercials than those that were exposed to the sad programs had much more negative thoughts. It's real. It's part of the psychology of persuasion. So that's our podcast for today. Thanks for being here. Of course, join me in the YouTube channel. We're going to take RBF and supersize it and get you more information about mood and smiling. That's at Maximize Your Influence on YouTube. And of course, the podcast is available at any podcasting sites. Do appreciate your feedback. Thanks for being here. Tell your family, friends, and enemies about these tools and techniques because it'll change every aspect of your life, from your relationships to your income to your success. So master these skills. Become more influential. Increase your trust. Smile more. Change your mood. And go out and persuade with power. 